Welcome to season two of the Age Sister podcast. This season, we're talking all about women at work. So let's get started with today's expert. Hey everyone, it's just me by myself today on the podcast, no guests, so I guess I will be your guest expert. Listen, I want to paint a picture for you. I want you to think about a person that we are going to call Jane, okay? So think about Jane coming into work. She comes in in the morning. She um, has a little bit of a tight look on her face. You know what I'm talking about. She starts off her work day. She has a million emails to respond to. She's got a million requests for things that she needs to get done. Um, maybe there's some projects that she's working on. She's helping some junior people with some things that they're doing. And, you know, when Jane leaves the workplace at the end of the day, you don't know much about what's going on in her life, but let's keep going. So she leaves her office and probably one of the first things that she does is goes to take care of someone else. So that might be going to make sure that her child, her teenager, maybe even her grown adult child who needs some help with something is, um, you know, doing whatever they need to be doing uh, during the day. So that might be support with homework that might be support with some sort of, you know, professional thing that they need to get done. Or she might be going and taking care of an elderly relative or a parent. Um, Then Jane typically would be, you know, getting ready at home to make sure everyone's got dinner. Even if she's sharing that with a spouse, it's likely that she's probably getting that dinner together with someone else, making sure that, you know, what we call all the things are done. So making sure that, you know, laundry is done, that the home is clean, that um, all those things that we would love to say are really traditional and they're not really happening as much, they're still going on for most women, right? We are still the ones responsible for the most part for what's going on with our kids, with our parents, um, with bills and groceries and laundry and, you know, making sure that people are getting to the things that they need to be getting to. And the reason that I paint you this picture is because, you know, you can talk to any woman in midlife and they'll probably tell you a similar story, but you can also look at the research. And what the research says is that this time of life is the highest in terms of what we call role conflict. So meaning that women are expected to perform multiple, multiple roles in their day-to-day life. And what's really interesting when you look at the research is that how men handle the conflict in roles is that they look for meaning. So in other words, if they have a conflict in their roles at work, they throw themselves more into their work. And with women, when they have role conflict, they tend to 
throw themselves into the relationships? How do I make the relationship better? So in all of these relationships that I'm managing, how do I show up in a more um, loving, in a more professional, in a more present? Um, We could just go on and on in all of the ways that we try to improve our appearance in those relationships. And when I say appearance, not how it looks, but how we're showing up. So women have something because of all of these roles throughout the day, as you can imagine, that has a really, really big impact on their stress. Um, This is one of the highest stress, um, stress times, stress levels for women at any point in their life. Again, we can see that from research. So we know that you know, the workplace is just one place where all of these stressors stressors are happening. But we also have a lot of those stressors happening at home. And anybody who is in midlife and beyond knows that this idea of workplace balance is not really achievable. It's actually a little bit silly. And, you know, I wrote about this in my early career back in... Oh, 2005, I believe, um, I was, I wrote an article about work-life balance. And at that point, I think it seemed like it was a bit more achievable. But I think as we go along, and especially after weathering this pandemic for the last few years and all of the things that we've all been managing, we know that work-life balance is just not going to be attainable. So I love this idea of the great reimagining. I think that's a great term for it. But we also do have this resignation of many women that's going on, right? The great resignation of many, many women and the women that are intending to leave the workplace in the highest numbers in 2022, higher than anybody, are women in those mid-level management jobs. It goes way up when you get to the C-suite jobs. So women have this intention to leave. Women left in droves during um, the height of the pandemic. And I think it's easy to see that women left in droves because they had so many things that they were responsible for that something had to give. And the first thing that usually gives for women is their work. So if we think about all these women that are intending to leave in 2022 in such high numbers, these are women, unlike other age groups, that are not intending to return. So these are people who are shifting out of the workplace, or pardon me, shifting roles in the workplace. These are people who are leaving and never coming back. So women who are taking early retirement, um, women who are just leaving their work to um, maybe go to a different role, maybe become self-employed. And I think if you talk to a lot of the women in these situations, it's not so much that the work was the biggest stressor. It was that trying to maintain everything at once was the biggest stressor. And just really being able to manage their lifestyle is why they feel like they have to leave. So here's where employers come in. So I look at this maybe a little bit differently than 
um, someone who's working in HR or is working directly with those employees in terms of their workplace or what they're doing in their roles. I'm looking at this as a healthy aging specialist. So I'm someone who is looking at women across the lifespan and what happens. So we know that if you look at people, part of my career has been working with folks who are in those much more advanced stages of aging. So folks who are 80 and above, um, some in their 90s, some over 100, and people age in really different ways, as you can imagine. Some people are skiing and hiking and super active well into their 80s and 90s and other people are you know starting to become slightly less mobile slightly um a little less flexible not able to get around as easily even in their late 50s and early 60s um and a lot of this i'm not going to say all of it because you know sometimes we can have genetic things that we can't get around we can have bad luck in terms of chronic illness but a lot of this is our lifestyle and why i think i'm really trying to sound the alarm bells here, especially with employers, is because here's the thing. If we want to reach big populations of women um, in this part of the aging process, this is where we find them. We find them in the workplace. And I don't expect employers to care as much about and I'm, that's just being honest. I'm not expecting employers to care about how women are aging. But I I do assume they're going to care about losing those valuable employees, that institutional knowledge, those mentors, those folks who have helped you weather the storm of the pandemic, um, the people who, many of whom lead the DEI programs, the folks who remember, you know, the the social things at work. Um, and I'm not stereotyping here. If we look at the numbers, this is the truth. These are um, the employees that are really, really valuable to your organization. And we know that if you have to replace those employees, it can cost you, you know, 75% or over 100% of an annual salary. Um, again, looking at the research, we know that it's very costly to replace a more senior employee. And yet, when I talk to folks um, in corporations, what's really interesting is that there's this big focus on recruitment and retention of younger staff. And absolutely, I absolutely understand why that would be. But the women in midlife and beyond who may not seem worth as much of an um, investment or, you know, maybe they're less of a focus than those younger staff, I think we just have to remember that the entire population is aging. So we have this really large group of folks who are getting older and not as many coming behind them. Um, so we already have, as most employers know, we already have this um, workforce 
reduction that has already happened. We see it in the male workforce as well. We know that there are less men in those working ages than there's been um, in a very long time. So there's already some alarming trends, but I think we need to remember that this group of women is one of the biggest groups in terms of population aging. So they're going to be one of our biggest groups, women over the age of 55 going forward. So it might be worthwhile to spend some time thinking about how we can help these women age better and age better at work and keep them in the workplace. Because many women that I talk to want to stay at work, but they just get into that situation when they're, where they're like, you know what, something's got to give. So how do we help them stay at work? Um, well, one of the first things I think we need to think about during this aged uh, group or this time in life is this idea of all of that role conflict. And what role conflict leads to is something that we call allostatic load. And allostatic load's a really old term around stress, and it just means the buildup of all the different stressors and how that affects the system. So if we just pile stress on top of stress on top of stress, eventually that system breaks down. And so we know that if we don't address things that are going on for women in midlife and as they get older, that stress takes its toll. So you know, I if you are anywhere over 40 and you're listening to this podcast, you probably have had that experience that when you were in your 20s, you could just take on 10 million things, you could sleep two hours, you know, on a night before work, and none of that would really affect you. But as you get older, that load is more and more difficult to manage, not because of the aging process necessarily, but I think it's more around the responsibility. If you throw in menopause on top of that, so women in perimenopause going through the menopausal transition, you know, they have um, not so great sleep at night. They have a bit of brain fog sometimes. So they're struggling a bit more in terms of, you know, retaining and uh, memory issues. And, you know, that can be fairly minor, but it can feel really alarming. So that's important to remember. They can have physical changes. They have more risk for cardiovascular disease at this point. And all of those risks um, are also on the backs of other chronic illnesses that tend to start developing. So things like prediabetes, diabetes, high blood pressure, and many women, you know, think about at this time of life, you know, we all know we're meant to be active. We're meant to get our exercise. We're meant to do our strength training. But if you think about it, if you tell a woman who's handling all these other things in her life, oh, by the way, now you have to exercise 30 minutes a day. You have to get in your strength training for another 30 minutes. You know, oh, you should probably do some balance exercises. How about you do meditation for um, 20, 10 or 20 minutes a day, they would look at you like you're crazy. There's no way we can fit that in. And so what happens is we put a lot of that self-care to the side and we say, well, we'll get to it. I'll get to that. Because a lot of what we're doing at this age is a bit of crisis management. What can we, what needs to be managed right this moment 
because so many people need me. And so the last thing that I'm going to put on that list of crisis management is myself. I just say, you know, when I retire, when I'm when I have more time on my hands, when my kids leave home, I'm not working, then, you know, I'll do my walks and I'll try some of the meditation and maybe I'll take up yoga. But you know what? This is the time that we need some of those what seem like to a lot of people would be nice to haves. We need them now. These are the lifesavers. These are the things that will help us prevent those chronic illnesses and prevent that, you know, not so great aging process as we get older. Um, So, so, you know, if you're in, in an organization and you're listening to this and you're thinking about, well, how can I help keep my female staff in this age group? How can I help keep them in the workplace? How can I support them um, to have a healthier aging process? How can I be, you know, that kind of people first, or how can we be that people first organization? There's a few things that you can do. Uh, You know, one would be to recognize what women are dealing with in this age group, you know, just to acknowledge that we're aware that there are all of these stressors that you are taking on. Um, You know, we've done a really good job, especially where I live in Canada, we've done a really good job in terms of at least recognizing um, women with children, that we have maternity leave benefits, and those are getting better. But at the other end of the spectrum, we tend to focus less on the idea of caregiving elderly parents and relatives and the toll that that takes on many women and the support that many women would really love to have around that and yet don't tend to get in the same way. There aren't um, the same sort of groups and support um, for those women who are taking care of elderly parents with chronic illnesses. We can go to caregiver support groups, but we can't do things like a baby drop-in or a parenting group or a play date um, in the way that we can with kids. We're really, a lot of times we're alone in that caregiving. So that's one thing uh, is to just recognize some of the issues that women in this age group are facing. Also to think about how do we customize some of our well-being programs to fit this age group a little bit more appropriately. Uh, Trust me, so many women in midlife and older are some of the fittest people I know. I know multiple women, even women into their 80s who are running marathons, who are doing triathlons, who are doing these incredible physical feats. But I also know a lot of women who are really sedentary. And if they were to take up an exercise program, not a lot of them think about things like getting their blood pressure checked, um, you know, about bone health, that their bone health changes as they get older. And that we need to be, um, you know, a little bit more safe or concerned about that as um, women are taking on some new exercise programs. So, 
you know, if you have an exercise program at work that's designed for people to do online and it's just for a general population, just keep in mind that there are some there are some considerations that we need for women in midlife and beyond. Um, we also want to make sure that we are supporting women to do some really structured stress reduction activities. So again, things like mindfulness breaks or meditation or you know, even getting out for walks are key. They're not nice to have. They're things that we have to have to manage the day. And more than ever, with women, more women working from home, we know that activity levels have gone way down, that work time has gone up, that women are not taking breaks, um, that they're just working through to get work done. And so just acknowledging that as well. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And a lot of other issues with women in midlife on this season of the Age Sister podcast. I'm super excited. I've got a whole bunch of different guests that are going to give us their perspective on being a woman at work or supporting women at work and some of the things that we can do to help. Um, I'm always here to help if you or your organization needs support in um, supporting those midlife and older female employees, just drop me a line. And I really hope you enjoy this season of the Age Sister podcast as much as I've enjoyed recording it. Thanks for listening to the Age Sister podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review the episode on your favorite podcast app. We'll also be posting the show notes and any other important information at www.cardeahealthconsulting.com.